0: I hope that we are still friends after last week's message. It was a hard message to deliver, and no doubt it was a hard message to receive, some more than others. Several of you called me during the week and shared with me personal stories of how you have experienced racism in your life. Stories of how you have been pulled over by the police. Stories of how you have been harassed. And even worse. One of you shared a gut-wrenching story about the time that your grandfather went to the county fair with his children. A few white children started causing a lot of fuss And your grandfather politely asked them to respect the others. The following day, the father of those unruly white children shot and killed your grandfather because how dare a black man speak to white children. There are literally hundreds of stories of how this pandemic of racism is hurting our church. This is why we need to talk about it. This is why we need to work through it. Even if it's hard. Look at all of the attention that COVID-19 is getting. Rightfully so. We are trying to learn everything we can about this virus. We're trying to uh, know if... This will work or that will work. We're trying to just get everything figured out so that we could eventually beat it. How much more deadly is racism? Why would we ignore it? We need to learn everything we can about it to eventually overcome it. Last week we wrestled with a question that was asked of Jesus, who is my neighbor? And we learned that every single person, regardless of race, religion, sexual orientation, or any other way that we divide and label people, every person, all of us are children of the Most High God. And if you cannot sincerely say amen to that, there's a problem. All of us are made in his image. And Jesus actually said the key to getting into heaven is loving God and loving our neighbor. This is the reason the church exists, to love and to help others love. That is what Jesus said is true religion. To keep that message before us at all times, we made it a part of our vision for Tacoma Park, Focus 2020. And we're not going to let off on that. The F in Focus stands for family, and the O in Focus stands for outreach, a.k.a. loving our neighbor. So even though last week's message made some of us uncomfortable, as Pastor Nixon said, we need to be made uncomfortable, even if it's for the well-being of our neighbor. Jesus was made uncomfortable on the cross, and he did that for you and for me. I think the least that we could do is learn more about racism in this country. Think about it, if you are white and if you are tired of all this race talk, think about how a black person is feeling, not only thinking about race stuff, but experiencing racism every single day. It's draining, it's exhausting. Are we to let them carry that burden all by themselves? I don't think so. Last Sabbath, I preached about Ahmad Arbery. A few days later, the world saw George Floyd murdered the hands of the police. My mom is the one who texted me and told me, Check out the news. Turn it on. Look what just happened. Yet another black man was lynched when a so-called officer violently thrust all of his weight onto this man's neck, onto his throat, and kept it there as he pleaded for air. George Floyd was handcuffed on the ground, posing no threat. He was begging for his life. He said, I can't breathe. Officer, please, he said. They're going to kill me. And then he said, Mama, Mama. And then he died. You cry for your mother when there's just nothing left to do. You cry out, Mama. I don't want to be a part of a church that could hear a man crying out, Mama, and just walk by and not say anything. I don't want to be a part of that church. Do you want to be a part of that kind of church? If you do, you'll have to find some other place in Tacoma Park because that's not the kind of church we are. We hear someone cry, we stop, and we help. Who is my neighbor? As we begin today, we definitely need Jesus. So please, bow your heads with me as we pray. Jesus, give us the courage to love as you loved. Give us the courage not to look away. Give us the courage to say something. Give us the courage to do something. When we hear our brothers and sisters Crying out for help. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. If you didn't catch last week's message, it might seem like I'm speeding through some of the portions for today, but that's because we already covered it last week, and we don't have time to go back and review. So I encourage you to check out last week's message if you want to fill in any of the gaps. So what I'm going to do right now, I'm going to read Luke 10 one more time because we dealt with the first half. Today we're dealing with the second half. So I'll start in reading verse 25. On one occasion, an expert of the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, Jesus replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Verse 30. In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half day. Maybe he too cried out, Mama! And I can't breathe! As they beat him up. Well, well, A priest happened to go down the same road and when he saw the man, he passed by. He heard him crying, Mama, and he passed by. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. All these guys are just... But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was and when he saw him, He had compassion on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave it to the innkeeper, look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you anything extra you may have spent. Which of these three do you think was the neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? Verse 37, the expert in the law said, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus says, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. A man gets jumped, beat up, robbed, gets a knee in the back of his neck and left for dead. A priest comes by, does nothing. A Levite sees the man, does nothing. Then a Samaritan, and we already learned what Jesus saying Samaritan was about, how it was really provocative. Jesus was talking to a group of people that hated Samaritans. Remember all that last week? Actually, They hated Samaritans so much that they used the word Samaritan as a curse. Just like how in our culture, we have curse words for certain groups of people. Black people, Spanish people, gay people. We have curse words. So just let that sink in a little bit. We're talking about the Bible. That would be like Jesus telling this story to a group of Christians... Saying that a church member was beat up. The pastor saw, did nothing. The choir member saw, did nothing. Then a certain person came along and saved the day. Except this certain person is a person you wouldn't want or some wouldn't want their daughter to marry. This certain someone is from a group of people that you wouldn't want to move next door to you. This certain someone is part of a group whose society refuses to affirm as equal. They are the ones that come to the scene and this group is the group that saves the day. Are you starting to see how inflammatory Jesus' story was? Jesus was provoking the religious leaders when he said, But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. And what the Samaritan does next is so hard for us to understand, especially those of us who were raised in this kind of capitalistic, greed-infested, and me-centered society. Listen to all that the Samaritan does. And he does it for someone who hated his guts. Verse 34. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Now the thing is, he could have just bandaged the wounds. He didn't have to do anything. The priest and the Levite walked by and they justified themselves. He could have walked by, but he stopped. He could have bandaged the wounds and gone on his way. But he pours oil and wine. Both very expensive in that day. But he wanted to help this man heal quicker. Samaritan is compelled to use his own resources for this stranger who he's never met. He could have stopped right there, and many would have said he went above and beyond. But no. Verse 34 continues. He then put the man on his own donkey. Now, to me, when I hear own donkey, that... that. Tells me that he had a few donkeys, it sounds like, that he could have chosen from. And maybe he chose his own donkey because he knew it was the smoothest ride. And he didn't want this man tossed and turned, adding further injury. He he takes care of this man that he does not know. Next, the Samaritan brought this stranger to an inn. And took care of him. Surely, now the Samaritan's obligation is over. But beyond all logic, he keeps going. Verse 35. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. What is a denarii? A denarii is one day's wages. How much do you make in a day? Do you make $200 a day? $400 a day, $500 a day, double that. That's what the man gave. The Samaritan gave the innkeeper two days' wages. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you whatever extra expense you may have. He gave the innkeeper the equivalent of $500 to $1,000 dollars. And then he gave him a blank check. He said, Whatever other expense you, you expend, I'll reimburse you. He did all of this for a stranger who, most probably, if he was conscious, would hate him. It's stunning, it's breathtaking, it's inspiring. Just the kind of story that we need today. I want to live like that. I want to care for people like that. I want to love like that. This Samaritan was helping his neighbor not out of a sense of duty. He was helping his neighbor out of a sense of 100% genuine and authentic love. Samaritan loves this poor man like he loves his own family. And Luke, the author of this story, wants us to see that. Just a few chapters later, Luke tells another story uh, with just as breathtaking a picture of love. Luke links these two stories so that when we read this one, we'll think of another one. And what is that story? That's Luke 15. Starting in verse 20 says, And he arose, came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and he had compassion. He ran to him and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to his father, Father, I have sinned against heaven. And in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father would have none of it. He said to his servant, Bring out the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his hand. Sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead. And is alive again. He was lost. And is found, and they began to make merry. It's the story of the prodigal. The story of the son who hated his father. Who wanted his father to die so he could get the inheritance. It's the story of a son who, run, who ran away. And he wasted all of the inheritance. Left him with nothing. Completely broke. Does that sound familiar? Just like this stranger we're reading about in Luke 12, completely broke. Uh, the story in Luke 15 is a story of a son whose father described him as dead. The Bible said this son was dead. And a story who out of desperation, a son comes back home to his father. And a father who welcomes him in a way that makes some of us uncomfortable. The father bestows such lavish gifts on his son. Someone who treated him so horribly. Do you see all of the parallels between the story of the prodigal and the story of the good Samaritan? When the Samaritan saw the poor man, he had compassion on him. When the father saw the poor son, he had compassion on him. Same exact word, compassion, is used in these two stories. Actually, Luke only uses this word three times in the entire book of Luke. Look at these parallels in addition to the compassion. There is this hatred toward the Samaritan people. And that parallels the hatred that the son has for his father. There is this desperation of the injured man who is left with absolutely nothing. And that parallels the prodigal son who, after he wastes all his money, is left with absolutely nothing in complete desperation himself. The Samaritan goes over and beyond in taking care of that stranger. That parallels the father going over and beyond in giving the gifts, the robe, the ring, the sandals, the fattened calf. It's just all so much. And of course, the love that the Samaritan displays echoes the love that the Father displays. All of this tells me, and I think all of this tells us who are serious students of the Bible, that when the Samaritan saw this poor man lying on the ground, he did not see a stranger. The Samaritan saw his own son. It was as if he heard the cry coming. Mama! Mama! And his heart was tugged. And he looked at the man and he saw his own family. He didn't see some stranger. He had compassion on him. Such Rich beauty. And now it all makes sense. Now all of the lavish giving makes complete sense. The pouring of the oil, the wine, the donkey, the taking him to the inn, the giving the two denarii, the, the blank check to the innkeeper. You don't do that for a stranger. You do that for someone whose family or who you at least love like their family. This is the love of Jesus. And remember I said that Luke uses this word compassion three times. He does it once in the story of the uh, prodigal son. The father has compassion on his son. He does it once in the story of the good Samaritan. The good Samaritan has compassion on this stranger. And he does it once else in Luke chapter 7. When a mother's son died and Jesus has compassion on this mother and raises her son from the dead. There are so many parallels from this story in Luke chapter seven to both the prodigal son and to the good Samaritan that it gives me chills. The stranger in the story of the Good Samaritan was left for dead. The prodigal son, the Bible describes him as he was dead. And this mother's son was literally dead. What is the one thing that brought each one of those back to life? Someone who had compassion. The good Samaritan had compassion, brought that man back to life. The father had compassion, brought his son back to life. And Jesus had compassion and brought this woman's son back to life. The Bible is beautiful. How wonderful is God's word. It brings life. When our world offers only death and destruction. Our compassion. Offers life and love. With 200 pounds on the back of this man's throat. With him yelling, I can't breathe. With him crying out, Mama. Who do you see when you see George Floyd? Do you see your neighbor? Do you see someone to have compassion for? If we have compassion for George Floyd, we should speak up. Our words, our actions might save someone else. Are you like the good Samaritan? Do you have compassion? Or are you like the priest? Or the pastor who heard the man crying and walked by on the other side? Minneapolis is on fire. Some people didn't say a thing when George Floyd's throat was crushed but they have a whole lot to say now that some glass is being broken some people didn't care to speak up when george floyd's life was taken but now that some tvs are being taken they have a lot of things to say and just so that we are clear I am not convinced that the people who are lighting these fires are the black and brown people who live in that community. There's no proof of that. Why is it that we automatically assume buildings on fire? Look at the black people, what they're doing. No, no, absolutely not. It's not proven who's lighting these fires. And there's actually a whole lot of video of white people who don't live in that community, coming in from out of town and causing a whole lot of destruction. So I don't like when I hear, oh, look what they're doing to their own neighborhood. I see images of black and brown people cleaning up in the morning after the riots. I don't think the people of those community are damaging their community. And that has definitely not been proven. That's uh, besides the point. My larger point is that perhaps if we as a church have been more outspoken in defending our neighbor, if we had been more compassionate, maybe Minneapolis would not be burning. If we as a church didn't turn a blind eye to the suffering of our neighbor, If we didn't pass them by on the other side, maybe our country wouldn't be steeped in the horrors of racism. But there is hope. There is a wonderful hope. There are good Samaritans out there. There are some people who are loving their neighbor like God wants them to. And that gives me courage. And even now, some of you are being inspired by the Holy Spirit to do good. I know you are. The Word of God is powerful. You can't read it and remain the same. There's a fire lighting inside of you. And that is the hope. You just have to listen to that fire. You have to listen to that voice that's saying, do good. Speak up. Put yourself out there to help your neighbor. The Tacoma Park Church uses our voice and our platform to defend our neighbor. To speak up for those who need it and to condemn racism. We also use our strength in an organized fashion with our robust social justice ministry, where we partner with other institutions of faith to ensure equity and justice for everyone in our community. So those are large-scale things that we do. But not only that, we also help with the smaller, everyday things that matter to one-on-one people. So just this week on Sunday... We we got a call from a dear sister of this church, and she said, "Hey, the city is um, threatening that they're going to find me unless I I paint my house." So a, a team descended and power washed her house, and then twelve men from our church rose up to the occasion. Went to her house, scraped the whole thing, and then painted the whole thing. It was beautiful. We got it done in one day. Painted an entire house in a day. I brought Max because I want him to learn the love of the Samaritan, the love of the Father, the love of Jesus. I want him to understand that church is not about the words that we say. Church is about the things that we do. And that was a beautiful experience that we all had. And I'm so proud of the men of the Tacoma Park Church for responding at the drop of a dime and helping. There's someone else who who uh, got in touch with me and said, Pastor, you know, I don't know what I could do during this pandemic, but I want to do something to help. I'm a pretty good cook. And so is there anyone, do you know of anyone at church or, or in the D.C. area that could use a home-cooked meal once or twice a week? I'm even willing to drop it off at their doorstep. And so I'm still looking for that person uh, th- that I could connect her with. If you need a home-cooked meal prepared by someone who could do their thing in the kitchen... And drop at your doorstep. Get in contact with me. Drop in a comment or email me and and we'll we'll make that connection because people want to help. People want to do the right thing. And that gives me courage and that gives me strength when I see this happening. One way that you could help is one week from today we're having this massive food distribution for our church members, and for the entire community. Hundreds of boxes. We're going to pick them up at our partner, Adventist Community Services, which is doing phenomenal things. And we'll bring the U-Haul of hundreds of boxes of produce and food right here to our church and start distributing them at 3 p.m. So if you need some food at absolutely no cost, you don't need to register, none of that, Just show up at 3 p.m. and get your box. 20 pounds of food. And so we need help. We need volunteers to make sure that this works off really easily and and quickly and orderly. So if you want to help, we'll probably be starting around 2 p.m., but you just let me know. Email me if you have my email, or if you don't know what my email is, Pop in a comment right now on YouTube, on our website, on Facebook, wherever you're listening for, from, and say, hey, please connect me, this is my email, the team will make sure I get your email. And then you could help. Next week, imagine, what if, what if we had two dozen people here, all wearing our Tacoma Park shirts, and the community see, man, look at that church. Not only would it benefit them because they would get food that they need. It would also benefit them by seeing good being done. Because when you see someone do good, it helps you. It encourages you. We're seeing, you know, so many people doing bad. Shooting someone in broad daylight suffocating someone in broad daylight. We need to see more people doing good. So I want to invite you, please, join us next week. Send me an email, pop in a comment with your name and your email, and we'll get in touch with you. This way, we could overcome all That we are seeing. We could act like the good Samaritan. And we won't do it. Out of a sense of duty. We will do it out of a sense of 100% genuine and authentic love. So my appeal today is simple. I want to appeal to you. Listener. Wherever you are. If you want to be a wave, a wave of people that do compassion on your neighbor, I want to invite you, wherever you are, just raise your hand. God sees. Raise your hand. You want to be a part of the wave of compassion that is going to overwhelm this world. I do. If you want to no longer pass your neighbor by, if you want to answer the call when someone screams out, Mama! You want to stop and tend to that person. I want you to raise your hand. God sees it. Commit in your heart to use your voice. Commit in your heart to use your hands. Commit in your voice to use your feet, to use all your body to be compassion. Because when we are compassion, we bring people back to life. When we are compassion, like the good Samaritan, like the father of the prodigal, like Jesus Christ himself, when we extend compassion, the world around us revives and resurrects. And that's what this world needs. A resurrection of love, of good, of kindness, of compassion. And you could be a part of that. Dedicate in your mind today that you will do that is my appeal. And if you answered that appeal, just bow your heads with me and we'll pray. Jesus, we have been touched by this story of the Good Samaritan. We now recognize who our neighbor is. Anyone who is crying out for help is our neighbor. We see that clear as day. And Father, we don't want to be like the priest who passes by on the other side. We want to be the church who hears a cry for help and does something about it. We want to be an individual who hears a cry of help and does something about it. So please, Jesus, it's going to be so hard for us. Some of us who have never spoken out. Some of us who have never stepped out of our comfort zone. Some of us who have never examined our own life. It's going to be tough for us to step out and say something or do something. But Lord, even if we are weak, you are strong. So we're praying right now in faith that you help us. That you help us overcome our fear of rejection, our fear of looking bad in front of some people, our fear of whatever it is, and help us to be bold in the cause of Jesus Christ, bold with our love, bold with our compassion. Help us to not just do one layer, but like the Good Samaritan, you know, thing after thing, two denarii, blank check, all these things. Father, it was good for us to be here, and we feel so blessed for having worshipped you. Be with us now as we go into the rest of the day. Have your Holy Spirit linger with us, is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Friend, I am glad you have stuck with us through these two-part series, which was difficult. I know but I trust that you see God's work in it. I want to invite you back next week, same place, same time. We'll be here, we'll be worshiping the Lord and learning more about His amazing grace. We'll be learning more about His miraculous compassion for me and for you. Thank you again for joining. And if you want to give, you could always give by going to our website, www.thetpchurch.org o r g forward slash give and there are several ways you could give when you give it helps us to do the things that we do it helps us to do the food drive it helps us to get the supplies for the paint it helps us with all that we're doing with broadcasting right now if you were blessed by the broadcast it costs funds and and your gift to us will help keep this going thank you so much i'm looking forward to worshiping next week god bless you